Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and you're listening to The Vegan Report. If you're vegan for the animals and you care to do more for animal rights, but you're not sure where to start, then this podcast is for you. Every week, let yourself fall in love with passionate animal rights leaders who will inspire you to find your voice, your own special contribution to the animal rights movement, however small or big it is. Only a minority of ordinary people made the life commitment to exclude animal exploitation and cruelty from the way they live. To do so, they have made drastic changes in their diet, adopting a plant-based diet, most times against cultural norms, but also in making changes in the clothes they wear, for instance, not wearing any leather, or the way they entertain themselves, for example, never visiting a zoo. Those people are called vegans, and they deeply fascinate me. What does make someone adopt such radical changes in their lives? How does one succeed at sustaining that lifestyle despite societal norms? And why do so many vegans revert back to consuming animal products? In the goal of finding answers to my questions, I met several people who have been vegan for more than eight years. I had great conversations with them, and I'm very happy to share those conversations with you in an ongoing series on this podcast called Veteran Vegan. Today, you are going to meet Justin. He's a musician from Florida, and he became vegan during the 1990s. So thank you very much, Justin, for uh, accepting to do this again. Uh, we had problems the first time, so this is our actually our second conversation, our second time trying to uh, make it happen. So thank you very much for your patience. Yes, my pleasure. Great. So could you uh, first introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Justin. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm 40 years old and I've been vegan for 24 years. Um, I uh, am a co-owner with my wife and two partners of a spa and salon here in St. Petersburg. And uh, I guess that's about it. Amazing. 24 years. Uh, Did you ever celebrate uh, the number of years you've been vegan? No, I didn't really think about it too much. It didn't occur to me. uh, But every once in a while, somebody will ask me how long I've been vegan so I'm constantly doing the math in my head. So now I have it on instant recall, but I, I never really like celebrated any milestones. But I guess next year will be um, 25 years. So Amazing. And um, I, something that I'm really interested about is knowing why someone decided to make this drastic, uh, a bit radical, but in a good way change um, in, in one's life. Uh, so why did you decide to become vegan and uh, when was that what was the context um how did everything unfold well i was vegetarian when i was younger so i i went vegetarian when i was 13 and um i think that started because i even from a very young age i remember um when i was a child kind of feeling bad about eating animals. I I made the connection really early on, you know, uh, like when 
when I would go to school in the morning, my mom would drive me to school and we would pass a farm and stuff like that. I would see cows outside and I knew it was the same animal that I would be eating for dinner. And I always had that cognitive dissonance and I never really had a way to reconcile it. So um, it's kind of funny when I, when I was younger, my mom would tell people and, my, and me that I was a semi-vegetarian. So that was a way to kind of feel better about it, even though I wasn't actually doing anything. But, you know, being like eight, nine, 10 years old, I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds good. So by the time I um, turned 13, I was starting to think more independently and, and kind of making my own decisions about my life. And it occurred to me that uh, I could just go ahead and stop eating meat. So I did. Um, and fortunately, my my parents were really supportive of it, despite them not being vegetarian themselves. So it was kind of easy for me, I suppose. And um, as time went on, I was really involved in, in the local punk scene, you know, go to a lot of punk shows and do local activism and stuff like that. And um, some of the group that I would hang out with were involved in vegetarian and vegan activism. And uh, I was exposed to veganism that way. So one of the things I distinctly remember was reading the uh, vegan outreach pamphlet, Go Vegan or sorry, Why Vegan is the pamphlet. And they actually still produce this now, but back then it was a little black and white pamphlet that you know, you would you would get like the paper and staple them together and stuff. So uh, I, I remember reading that a few times and I just always had it in the back of my head that, um, you know, the things I learned about the dairy industry and the egg industry just didn't really sit right with me. And um, that's what ultimately made me decide to give it all up and go vegan. So prior to that, I was one of these, uh, you know, I... I can't go vegan. I love cheese too much kind of guys. So that's actually the, I, when we were talking yesterday, the, the last meal that I ever had before I went vegan was a bowl of chili, vegetarian chili. And I shredded a ton of cheddar cheese on the top of it, which was like my favorite thing. I would just eat cheddar cheese straight from the block. And then, uh, you know, I just, I took a bite and I was like, that's it. I'm done. Can't do it. So I, I dumped the whole thing out and kind of never looked back, I suppose. Amazing. And something I, I did not ask you uh, during our last conversation was, what is exactly the link between the punk rock scene and veganism? I did not know that there was a relationship there. Yeah, I suppose the, maybe there's a small one, right? Mm -hmm. It depends on what part of the punk scene you're involved in. So um, a lot of the music that I listened to and, and was interested in at the time and still now was very um, influenced by political and social issues. So kind of activist music, not just, you know, fast, aggressive, crazy music, but also stuff with a message, um, ideologically driven. So I think you'll find within that scene, there are a lot of people that are very involved or at least conscious of um, different types of oppression and exploitation, inequalities, um, and there's a lot of people speaking out against it. So these were things that I was already kind of conscious of, and I think maybe that's part of the reason I gravitated towards that community. And that just further reinforced the way that I felt about things and kind of gave me an outlet for it. And then also um, exposed me to other people who had other thoughts about it and, and it just, you know, kind of got me thinking and ultimately made some changes as a result. It's a scene I don't know much about. And I think you're um, actively involved there. I think you're a musician. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. I, I play in two bands, actually. So um, I have a band called Walled City that I, I write the music and play guitar in and um, kind of a melodic hardcore punk band. And then um, uh, another couple of friends of mine were in a band called Antacid Trip, and I play drums in that one as well. Um, that's a little bit more on the, the metal side of it, uh, but also very 
um, politically, socially conscious, and actually all of the members of Antacid Trip are vegan as well. It's kind of cool. So um, it's easy when we, uh, if we go on the road to play shows, you know, we don't have to worry about where to eat. <laughs> well, there is a guitar behind you and I'm asking you if you're a musician. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's more than that up there. You can't see the rest of the wall. Yeah. There's a few guitars. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I can see some uh, cases. Um, great. And I will leave uh, a link to um, your website um, in okay. the description Thank if you. people want uh, to uh, check it out. And yeah, so you were talking about how when you were a kid, you made, you made that connection, that key connection that every vegan makes. And sometimes uh, it can be very upsetting. Um, but did you have any pets? Um, was it something you've watched on tv like um maybe an anime or something like that and um th the topic of that was about animals um was that like a 100 came from you or was it also um an outside influence that made you think about animals I can't think of any specific example of something that influenced me, but of course I, I had to have been influenced somehow. You, you know, you're a kid, you grow up, you're exposed to media and, and pop culture. So I'm sure, you know, maybe watching Bambi or something, I'm pretty old. So I, I don't think anime was super popular over here back then, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I always had animals growing up. Um, I had a cat from the time I was born up until I was uh, maybe about 12 or 13 um we had a dog growing up had a rabbit so i was i was always like an animal lover i guess um but i can't point to any specific thing that helped me make the connection it was just a thing that i was aware of and to be honest i don't think that's especially novel i think that most people do make the connection but they're really good at kind of pushing it to the back of their head and not really thinking about it i think that's pretty typical for most people um and normal because obviously that's consistently reinforced on a daily basis by the world around you. Um, you know, society is based around the exploitation of animals to a degree. And the only way that can work is for everyone to collectively agree that this is something that's okay. Um, so I think most people recognize that the animals on your plate are the same as the animals that you see in farms or on TV, even young children do. Um, but there's a lot of pressure against thinking about it kind of uh, objectively in that sense. Hmm. And you use the word uh, cognitive dissonance, the expression cognitive uh, dissonance. Yeah. And I think it's a great expression to to describe that phenomenon. Um, amazing. So after having eaten that uh, bowl of chili, um, you decided to become vegan. How was your uh, first years as a vegan? Um, how did that transition from um, being vegetarian to Uh, becoming vegan happened? I think that it wasn't that difficult um, to start. It, it was more difficult than it would be today by a lot because back then we didn't have vegan restaurants, like not nothing close to it, like nothing at all. Um, veganism wasn't a widely acknowledged term or something that people knew about. I, I would have to explain what vegan meant anytime that I talked to anyone about it. It was not um, part of the zeitgeist at all. Um, if I went to a restaurant, you couldn't just ask somebody if something was vegan, which nowadays still not 100%, but you can um, occasionally do that. 
but mostly uh, I was cooking for myself and having to fend for myself. Um, I learned how to cook as a result of it. I made a lot of mistakes, learned by trial and error. I'm sure I ate a lot of food that wasn't vegan too early on um, and just kind of made my way through it. But I had a good support system. Uh, as I mentioned before, my parents were very supportive and accepting of it. Um, they were not vegetarian by any means, you know, we're typical American household uh, meat with every single meal. Um, my mom was, was accepting right off the bat. My dad was a little bit more um, cautious about it, but once he realized that I was taking it seriously and knew what I was doing, um, you know, he was fine with it as well. So uh, I don't know. I think, I think I had a good support system with my friends too. At, at the time, a lot of my friends were either vegetarian and or vegan. So I would say my transition was pretty easy overall, but looking at it in today's context, it was probably pretty tough. Mm, so your expectations change over the years. Um, yeah, well, when I became vegan, uh, I discovered um, with a bit of surprise and shock that um, a lot of the food that I was eating could be adapted um, to a, a vegan re recipe. I mean, tomato sauce you don't need the cheese you don't need uh the the meat part um you can just eat that with pasta and um that's about it um did you have any like surprises when you you become became vegan uh something you did not uh expect about it or maybe some kind of uh clash with culture and your everyday life? I think so. Um, <clears throat> less a, a clash with culture. I think that um, a lot of what I ate was, as you said, just adapting the foods I would eat previously to be a vegetarian version. So, you know, one of the, the typical meals that my mom would make all the time was goulash, not real Hungarian goulash, but kind of uh, American Midwestern version of goulash, which is elbow macaroni with some sauteed onions and ground beef and garlic and some spices and a tomato sauce. And um, I would cook the exact same thing, but I would use tofu. I would buy like tofu crumbles or something like that. Um, otherwise it would be the exact same dish. So I, I cooked a lot of stuff like that and was able to adapt a lot of the things that I was already eating. But one thing that, that kind of surprised me was how many new foods I discovered as a result. So, um, you know, one thing that kind of gets lost in the mix sometimes is people view veganism or a vegan diet as exclusionary or restrictive in some way because you're taking foods out of your diet and not necessarily replacing them with anything or at least that's the, the premise but in reality what ends up happening is you take foods out of your diet you cut out meat and cheese and milk dairy eggs that kind of stuff and you start exploring all sorts of other types of food so I ended up getting into all types of like Asian food. I prior to that I had never eaten Thai food before, Vietnamese food, um, lots of types of like regional Chinese food, Korean food, Indian food, Ethiopian food, stuff like that. Where you know now this makes up a lot of my diet. You know I eat stuff from all over the world, a wide variety of stuff, all sorts of new weird vegetables and fruits and stuff that I had never eaten before. You know this morning I was just eating some passion fruit that uh, I found out in our alleyway where I walk our dog, there's a passion fruit tree at the end of it. So there's all just, there's passion fruit there all the time. So now I take them home and I, you know, cut those up and save the pulp. I make juice out of it and I would eat the leftovers, you know, stuff that is totally new to me. So I think that was the most surprising thing is how much my 
horizons expanded once I went vegan and did not constrict. Mm. And that was also my experience. I mean, you are forced to learn about nutrition. You are forced to look for uh, new sources of, you know, recipes and such. And all of a sudden your plate becomes colorful and it's an amazing experience. But veganism is not just about food. It's also about, you know, the rest, like um, the, the clothing. Um, how was that um, in terms of uh, adapting yourself? That was a little different. Um, you know, I had a lot of, of clothing at the time, like leather and wool and stuff like that. And I think I just kind of phased that out over time. Um, within the first couple of years being vegan, I, I became really uncomfortable with that. I, I know there's a lot of people that are vegan that um, are okay with purchasing secondhand leather and wool and, and things of that nature or wearing stuff that they have currently. And the idea being that instead of, you know, buying new products and, and driving consumption, which also has a negative ecological impact, buying something that um, is already used or that you already have. I just didn't, to me, it's it still kind of uh, reinforced this idea that animals can be clothing. You know, if you wear a leather jacket, to me, if it's secondhand or if I've owned it for 30 years or whatever, it doesn't matter because I'm still showing people that this is an article of clothing that is something I chose to wear. So for me, I, I just don't view uh, leather or, or wool or other types of animal clothing any different than I would as like eating roadkill or something, right? And that like, there's maybe no ethical issue there per se, but it reinforces the belief that animals are here as commodities for humans. So I, I think it took me a couple of years to wrap my head around that. Um, and I, I was able to phase all of that out. Um, you know, finding products that were cruelty-free, uh, not tested on animals was just kind of a trial and error approach over time. Um, you know, you get better at these things as you go along. You, you're never going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to end up buying something or eating something or doing something that it, in some way is not 100% ethical. So I think the goal is just to make the best decisions you can and try and steadily improve when possible. So I, I think I've, I've had that kind of mindset um, for a while, when I was younger, I was probably a little more hard lying about some things. Um, but, you know, everyone's a little more extreme when they're younger, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I had that same idea that, um, you know, you can purchase secondhand leather boots. There is no ethical concern about that. But recently someone told me, well, yeah, but what if someone looks at those shoes and think, oh, those are beautiful shoes. I want the same. And right. then they ask you, where did you find them? And what if you end up promoting that brand, uh, even though uh, you're wearing something secondhand? And, you know, I wanted to share that because that was the first time I thought, oh, there is a problem with, with that practice. Um, interesting. And in, in terms of, you know, you, you become vegan, you make all of those changes, and you were talking about the perception of uh, animals uh, also changing. Did you feel like you were um, trying to discipline yourself, like you're trying to, to force yourself into a new habit? Or was it just a change of perception? Because some <laughs> vegans have told me, you know, it's just that meat was not... Uh, food anymore was not the definition of what food is supposed to be um and that was just a change of perception and 
becoming vegan went easy after that. Um, was it the same experience for you? Yes, I think a change of perception, absolutely. So I, I never felt like I was holding myself to some sort of strict regimen or, you know, discipline or anything like that. I never felt that. Um, I just had a change of perception, which is related to the reason why I, I won't wear secondhand leather or things of that nature. Because for me, those aren't clothes. It's just still dead animal skin, um, even if they're fashioned into something that looks like clothes. Um, you know, a friend uh, texted me yesterday and sent me an article from NPR about how um, lab-grown chicken is now uh, cleared for consumer consumption in the United States. And he asked what my opinion was, was if I thought it was vegan or not. He's not vegan, by the way, or vegetarian. And I told him that I personally would have no interest in eating it just because for me, there's no desire to eat meat. You know, when I, when I ate meat and ate animal products, I didn't stop eating them because I didn't like them. I stopped eating them because I had an ethical issue with them. But over time, that that kind of that gulf grew, and now I didn't see any of these things as food anymore. So the thought of eating meat to me is not appealing at all, even if it was at one time, just because I don't see it as meat anymore. Uh, for the record, I'm 100% for all of the lab-grown meats. I think it's going to be a massive net positive for animals, but it's just one of those things where uh, I'm going to pass. I'm doing okay <laughs> with what I eat now. But yeah, I think it's a change of perception. That's it. Um, I never felt like it was, there were challenges, but it was never self-imposed challenges. Um, for me, it was just, this isn't food. I'm not going to eat it. No problem. And what about realistic meat, like beyond meat? Does that appeal to you? Yeah, I would say that um, it's not my first choice. I eat beyond meat quite a bit and impossible on occasion. Um, I do like those, but if you had me go down a list of my favorite like meat products, favorite burgers and, and such, it's products that are like not even available anymore just because they weren't that popular and they're gone. Like, you know, I really like those sunshine burgers when those were still around the sunflower seed ones. Um, and my favorite burgers of all time, you, I can't remember who made them, but they were called um, Okara patties. Okara is the leftover soy pulp after you make um, soy milk. So it's uh -huh. the like, bean curd skin on the top mm -hmm. and you can mash all this stuff up and make a really interesting patty with it so they were they were kind of like chicken like patties you would cook in the toaster i love that stuff but nowadays the market share is dominated by beyond and impossible so i do eat quite a lot of those and, and i like them just fine and i don't find them particularly meaty i think impossible probably a little bit more so um beyond burgers are probably my favorite as far as the realistic meats go um, but they don't bother me at all because i know what's in them mm -hmm. And are you still attracted by the scent of like roasted chicken or something like that? No, not at all. Um, my wife is, she, she's attracted to like the scent of um, fried chicken of all things, which I think is probably more the, um, the batter and the spices that you smell. Mm -hmm. But for me, I associate it with, with the chicken. And she's been vegan for a long time too. So she has no desire to eat any of these things, but the smell she still likes. But for me, that doesn't, not appealing. <laughs> Okay. Maybe like some barbecue stuff because the the smoked wood chips, you know, but that's not really the barbecue per se. It's the method of cooking. Well, that's the thing about meat. You know, meat is flesh, but cooked. Uh, you know, there are yes. spices, there are, uh, you add sauce, uh, you add oils and butter and all sorts of things. Um, it's not really, nobody is well, not nobody, there are some people who are attracted by, you know, flesh, raw flesh, but nobody is really 
you know, smells a, a raw um, chicken something and thinks, oh, that that, that uh, smells yummy. You know, yeah, I don't think so. No. Yeah, so you're attracted by the cooking that comes with meat. You know, the the end product, so to speak. Um, okay, I have a question about uh, you know you you brought up your wife. Uh, is your wife vegan? She is vegan. Yeah, she was vegetarian when we met and um, became vegan shortly thereafter. She had gone vegan before and kind of had failed attempts at it. Um, and I think one of the best things you could do if you're vegan and and need support is have a partner that's vegan as well, because then it's just kind of it's so much easier. You know, I really feel for friends that I have that are vegan or even vegetarian who have a partner who's not just because I know it can make things a little more difficult. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you have the social pressure, um, pressure outside of your house, but if you also have that social pressure inside, uh, it becomes kind of uh, difficult. Um, so I want to ask you about um, a study that came out and uh, showed how 84% of vegans and vegetarians uh, stop being vegans and vegetarians uh, 34% of them after only a few months. And that's something that agreed with my perception of reality. Um, if you go on YouTube and start, you know, uh, researching uh, veganism, you will end up, uh, I mean, 100% uh, certain you will end up um, watching a video of an ex-vegan. Um, the internet is full of that. I think there's even a subreddit called ex-vegans. Um, so my first question for you is, do you agree with that um, assessment that most people who become vegan stop being vegan? I do agree with that. Um, I think that I've seen those studies as well. And everything you've said jives with my experience as well, um, both personally and just stuff online. I've seen the ex-vegan communities. I've seen the videos from ex-vegans. I've read the articles about celebrities that were, you know, big vegans that decided that they didn't feel good anymore. So they started eating fish and all of a sudden they magically feel great again. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think, well, I'll wait, I'll wait for your second question because I have a few more things to chime in on with that. Well, how do you explain that? What's happening here? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think there are a few different causes. And um, I think one of them kind of innocently enough is that people don't really do their due diligence when they go vegan. I'm not a proponent of just saying like, yeah, go vegan. You're going to be fine. It's, it's like absolutely nothing to worry about. Go for it. I do think you should go for it. I do think you should, anytime you're radically changing what you consume, since diet is such an important part of your life, you should do a little bit of research and learn about what you're doing. So a really common thing that happens, I'm sure everyone can relate to this, that has friends that have been vegan or vegetarian at one point that aren't anymore, is people go vegan and they're like, wow, Oreos are vegan, French fries are vegan, potato chips are vegan. That's what I'm going to eat all day. I'm going to eat, you know, toast and chips and, and they just eat junk food. It's a really nutritionally incomplete diet. Um, and they just feel like crap. And that's pretty typical. And I think that a lot of times you hear from the ex-vegans that are like, I started eating fish and magically my my health got better. It's usually something to that effect. And then I think there's the other extreme version of that, which is a lot of people are um, 
really persuaded by these claims that a really extreme, super clean, entirely whole foods, or even like raw foods, plant-based diet is the only diet you should be eating. And they jump off the deep end and go straight into that. And all of a sudden you have somebody who's eating, you know, 2000 calories a day. And now they're eating 1200 calories a day of like raw fruits and nuts and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's just not enough. You're taking a lot of stuff, a lot of nutrients out of your diet, good and bad stuff. And you're replacing it with insufficient um, alternative nutrients. So I think that you can make almost any diet a healthy one if you're doing it the right way. You can eat a heavy like meat, dairy, and egg diet and absolutely be in abysmal health and feel terrible all the time because you're eating the worst possible food. But, you know, I'm not delusional. There are a lot of people that eat these foods that are in really fantastic shape because they eat a balanced diet. They watch their calories, they exercise, all these things. So the same can be applied to a vegan diet. I think that you should be reasonable about it do a little bit of research, learn a little bit about nutrition um, and don't be afraid to supplement as well. You know, uh, like vitamin D3 and uh, B12 supplements and omega-3 uh, DHA EPA supplements are really good for vegans. And these are things that are uh, common deficiencies um, in vegans and things that aren't commonly found in plant-based foods. Now that's not to say that this somehow invalidates a vegan diet because supplementation is recommended because after all, vitamin D and B12 supplementation is recommended for the entire US population. I don't know how it is elsewhere, but here, this is, uh, these are very common deficiencies, but it's easy and it's cheap to supplement and make sure that you get a full balanced diet. So I think doing a little bit of research is the way to go. Um, apologies for being long-winded, but the, the last part of that is, I think that a lot of people treat veganism as a fad diet. So veganism is not a diet. Veganism is a lifestyle that's based on eating a vegan diet, a fully plant-based diet and eliminating any types of contributions to animal suffering and exploitation whenever possible. So like we talked about earlier, that means not wearing animal clothing or using products that are tested on animals, not going to rodeos and circuses and dog races and stuff like that. Um, I think a lot of people look at veganism as a diet, as a way to either you know, live forever with this magical miracle cure-all health diet, um, or it's just something they saw on YouTube and they thought it seemed cool. So as a result, they, they do this diet, they don't get the results they're looking for. And they're like, okay, on to the next thing. I think a lot of those people are people that have done, you know, keto diets, paleo diets, vegan, they bounce around and they try different stuff. So I think that it's not an indictment of veganism. I think it's just an observation of, of how people navigate diets and things of that nature. Mm. And maybe on our side, we should uh, do a better job at, uh, first of all, preparing people, you know, uh, giving them the tools needed to make that transition, but also not put too much attention on the health side uh, in the sense of not selling veganism with some uh, pseudoscience uh, health benefits. Um, we should focus on the ethical uh, argument and put all of our energy uh, in there. There is a, you know, consequential argument to be made how, where, you know, if everyone decided to become vegan for health reasons, why does it matter? You know, if the result is um, that there's less suffering of animals and true, uh, I will give that to people, but 
you know, th th this is not reality. This is not a, a thought experiment. The, the reality is, I, I agree with you, uh, many people become vegan, you know, for the wrong reasons, and then they end up leaving. And it, it just causes a lot of harm. Um, so how would you, if someone is listening and is not vegan, um, is maybe considering or is open-minded to becoming vegan, what would you say to that person? Well, I want to kind of circle back to something you mentioned a moment ago, going vegan for the wrong reasons. And I don't think there are any wrong reasons to go vegan. I encourage anyone to go vegan for any reason whatsoever. From a strictly utilitarian standpoint, it doesn't matter to me why someone's vegan. If they decide to cut animal products out of their life, it's a good thing. However, I strongly agree with you that um, ethical-based vegans have a way higher success rate. So I think that if you perform these same studies and you broke it into groups of what's your primary motivation for being vegan, the ones that are ethically driven are not going to have an 84% or whatever it was failure rate. Um, whereas the ones that go vegan for health are going to be probably maybe higher than that even. Um, I think that it's important. Uh, veganism has an, an activist component built into it. So I think it's okay for people to be to eat a plant-based diet, but not be vegan if that's what they want to do. You know, if they don't consider themselves activists, then they're just more focused on eating a vegan diet. I think that that's one thing. But if you want to be vegan, there is a, an ethical approach built into it. There is a degree of activism there. And I think that if you want to be an activist in any, any capacity, you owe it to yourself and to the group you're advocating for to not argue your weakest point. And I think that when it comes to veganism, that the health benefits are the weakest point because they're not mutually exclusive or not exclusive to veganism. Um, and they're not always what they're purported to be. I don't think you can just go vegan and all of your health problems will disappear. I don't think you can go vegan and, and you'll never get cancer. Um, you know, these things are just not true. So I think that having realistic expectations going in sets yourself up for success rather than failure. And I think that having um, a strong envir environmental and more importantly, ethical drive when it comes to veganism, you're more likely to stick with it and have a reason to navigate the tough times or, or societal pressure or any other things that might make it challenging to be vegan. So what I would say to somebody who is open to becoming vegan, who isn't already, is I would tell them to just go for it first off, like absolutely do it, but don't be afraid to do a little bit of research, learn a little bit about nutrition, learn a little bit about why you're doing what you're doing. Um, meet up with other people, like-minded individuals, find social media communities for people that are vegan or interested in becoming vegan. I think you'll find that there are a lot of people there that are really um, eager to help support you. So for me, if, if, if a new vegan or, or an aspiring vegan were to get in touch with me and just say, hey, I'm thinking about going vegan, do you have any advice? I would be overjoyed to help out, I'd be thrilled. So I, I would stop what I'm doing and say, yeah, let's talk about it and you know, let's, Let's figure it out because it's it's so doable. I mean, it's so easy right now. It, depending on where you live in the world, most places that you live, it's like trivial to eat a vegan diet. Um, so I would say, don't worry about the restrictions or the difficulty, like you'll get there. And don't worry about perfection either. That's another part of it. You know, I think that that's, I should have mentioned this earlier, but now's a good a time as ever. I, I think that um, this quest for perfection is something that really hurts vegans. I think that a lot of people have an all or nothing mindset. And, um, and I understand that too, right? When you, when you first go vegan, when you first get turned on to all of these 
um, injustices in the world and, and you can't believe how bad it is for animals and factory farms and stuff. It's really easy to look at that and be like, you know, I have to do this a hundred percent and there's absolutely no compromise ever. So what'll happen is you'll, you'll try it and you'll mess up. You know, you'll accidentally go to a restaurant, you'll eat something that has cheese in it. And you won't realize it. Um, or you'll buy something, you'll get home and realize it's got whey in it or something like that. And it, I think it's really important to not beat yourself up over that and to be realistic and to be kind to yourself and realize that you make mistakes. You can never be perfect. Try and learn a little bit more every day and do a little bit better every day. And by the end of it, you'll be fine. So yeah, I would say, don't be afraid to go for it. Find the community, find some support, people that are willing to help you out. Do a little bit of minor research to find out why you're doing what you're doing. Learn a little bit about nutrition and then just don't beat yourself up. Mm. You'll get there. That's a, that's good advice. And um, if, if you can't become vegan for whatever reason, and there are people out there, you know, for health reasons or for economical reasons or even for cultural or family reasons can become vegan, you can always reduce uh, your consumption of animal products. I mean, this is something relatively easy to do. Uh, one day a week, have, you know, plant-based meals, don't go to the zoo. <laughs> it's not hard. Or, um, you know, don't go to uh, uh, to the pet shop and, um you know, if you want a dog, go look for, um, go visit your local uh, shelter, um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's true. I, I struggle with that a little bit, I'll be honest with you, because um, from an ideological standpoint, I do think that it is somewhat of an all or nothing proposition, not to contradict myself earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I do think there are any reduction in animal suffering is good. And I, I do encourage people to reduce their meat consumption, their da dairy and egg consumption, you know, adopt, don't shop, stuff like that. And I think that all of that is good. I don't think that's the, the end goal. I think we probably agree on that. Mm. Um, but I, but I, I will say that I struggle with it because on one hand, I want to just advocate purely for veganism and say, you know, yeah, fine, meatless Mondays, like, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't decide to like not commit homicide one day out of the week which I realize is kind of a ridiculous, you know, extreme position there. But on the other hand, I realized that there is a lot of benefit in people reducing. And I also realized that I didn't go vegan overnight. And I think that that's really important. Um, I've been a new vegan too, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to this. When you're a new vegan, you're really fired up and you're, you're just like, can't believe the injustices of the world. So when other people treat it as a casual thing that they can kind of you know, dip in and out of, that's borderline offensive to you. Um, and I can, I can relate to that because I've been there, but as I get older and lamer, probably, I, uh, I, I realize that there's some benefits to that. And um, I, I want to kind of meet people where they are and then encourage them to do more. Uh, I definitely have had friends in the past that when I was like younger and more uh, hard line about things, I probably turned them away from veganism because they were trying to reduce their meat consumption, try and reduce their animal products consumption, but it wasn't good enough for me. And I, I'm sure that I let them know that plenty of times. So, you know, I don't think that's always um, doing the best you can for the animals, even if it seems like it is. So ultimately I agree with you, but it is something that I do have a little bit of internal conflict about. Mm, uh, and that makes me think of something, Dr. Uh, Jensfold, I did an episode on that. She's a caretaker for uh, Fauna Sanctuary. 
and she's a, she are, is a researcher. She studies uh, chimps. And she was telling me how, you know, there are many countries who don't want to recognize chimps and great apes as people, although they, they are very close to human beings uh, and very complex creatures, because if they recognize chimps and greater apes as people, why should they not recognize monkeys? And then if they recognize monkeys, why would they not recognize? And the list goes on and on. And then you have opened uh, uh, the door to all of the animal kingdom. And yeah, yeah I, I feel like this is the same. This is like, um, we you, you open the door to um, a lifestyle where you have, you consume less, animal products and at the end we, we this is not the goal the end is um to eliminate all of that animal exploitation we are doing uh so made me think of that um yeah. now i want to try to um you know i want to ask you exactly um why do you think you became vegan is it for um, because you have something innate in you that made it so happen? Or do you think that um, veganism influences more the, the, the person who adopts it and then it changes you into, um, you were talking how, you know, uh, you were intense in your animal advocacy and um, that was around when, you adopted veganism uh, into your life because that's you know when you think about it th there's no real comparison to be made um for vegan people you know there are not a lot of people out there who make such drastic changes in their lives in order to embrace some um ethical code and you could you know think maybe about um religious groups you know if you convert to and you know become orthodox jewish or something like that then of course you will make uh drastic changes in your life but veganism is not a religion um although some critiques will disagree but it's not a religion it's it goes across many cultures across uh, transcends gender you know you have um uh, uh, vegans of all um horizons um so I'm trying to understand what um, what is it um, that makes uh, one percent of the planet embrace that ethical code and, and the, the the relationship uh, of influences between you know veganism and and who you are. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Um, so, I think this kind of relates to your question earlier about how many people become vegan and stop being vegan. So the reason there's such a high rate, a lot of the reasons I mentioned were ones where people are quote unquote doing it wrong, which is probably unfair because people have unrealistic expectations. They jump into it, don't get the results that they want, you know, and maybe those were all of the reasons that they were aware of. Right. But I think another really big issue is that there's a lot of pushback from the world around you, from society, from friends, family, work, your community, all of these in many cases are telling you veganism is unnecessary. It's an extremist position. 
it's a religion, it's, you know, something that we don't need to do, it's, it's not helpful. And I think that these are kind of defense mechanisms that a lot of people have for confronting that cognitive dissonance we discussed earlier. Um, so to answer your question about whether I went vegan because of the way I was, or if I kind of became the way that I am because I am vegan, that makes sense. Um, I think it's a combination. And I do think that a big part of it is the reason that I went vegan and stayed vegan is because of who I am fundamentally. Um, I've never been a person who shied away from being different or being an outsider or being the only one in a group who has a certain position, as long as it's something I truly believe in. Um, if I'm in a group of 100 people and I'm the only one that thinks that I'm right about something, I'm going to listen to everyone else and I'm going to consider their positions, but I'm not afraid to you know, be the only person in the room who feels a way about something. Um, that said, I do, you know, I do consider other positions. I don't think that I always have it right. I, you know, I probably get it right some of the time, hopefully. But I think that um, I've always been kind of headstrong in that sense and um, self-reliant. I haven't really looked to others for validation as often as some people might. And I don't think that that makes me better at it or better at anything in general. It's just a personality trait. You know, I'm just observing how I am. So I think that a lot of people um, aren't as comfortable doing that which is probably really normal and typical. And it makes it a lot harder. So, you know, I think that explains some portion of the vegans who are no longer vegan is that they, it became too hard for them to constantly have to explain, no, no, I don't eat that. Here's why. Yes, I get enough protein. No, I'm not deficient in this or whatever. You know, for a lot of people, it gets tiresome. It wears them out. So for me, that doesn't wear me out. I'll never get tired of it. And, it, it, you know, if people ask me, I'm patient and I'll give them the time of day and I'll explain why I'm vegan and, and it's no problem. Um, so I would say it's more the former. It's more that uh, I'm vegan because of how I am. But I've been vegan for so long, more than half my life, that it has informed the way that I view the world. So it's kind of shaped the lens through which I view the world um, for better or for worse. You know, I think a lot of times it's nice to see veganism becoming more and more mainstream. Um, it's, it's so cool to be able to just walk into a restaurant now and there's items on the menu clearly marked as vegan, which seems like such a trivial minor thing. But as somebody who has been vegan since the late nineties, it's, it's huge. I mean, like the fact that the word vegan appears on a menu is a success. That's a triumph for veganism. And it, it's a testament to how veganism is becoming more mainstream by the day and how it's become more broadly accepted. People are viewing veganism as something that's not extreme or just totally nuts, but something that's attainable and normal and they have friends and family members who are vegan. So this is objectively good. Um, yeah, you know, at the same time, it is tough dealing with um, being surrounded by people that you care about and respect and love that don't share your values or, or maybe worse, they do share your values, but fail to act on them. Um, that's tough to deal with. And I think that it, that also takes a particular personality type to be able to weather that. So that also goes back to what we talked about with um, knowing why you're doing it, why you're in it. So for me, there have been times where I've struggled with that and been, it's been really challenging to, to navigate that. You know, some of the closest people in my life are not even vegetarian, let alone vegan. And these are, you know, smart, compassionate people who I truly respect and for some reason, they haven't come to the same conclusion that I have. And I have to reconcile that with my respect to them. Um, so it's a little bit tough, right? And I don't think that that 
comes easy for anyone. And for some people, it's probably an insurmountable challenge. So um, that veganism has affected me in that way that it, I, I more, I think more about these kind of things. Um, yeah, I've probably always thought about them to a degree, but it's just more on my radar. And I think that the average person, this is not something that's in their like day-to-day -day thoughts. Mm. And I have a controversial question for you. And sure. that's something uh, I has I have been struggling with. Uh, would you support a law that would prohibit uh, the consumption of animal products? That's a tough question. Um, I think that the easy answer would be to say yes. I don't know. I'd have to really think about that to, to give you a good answer. I don't think that it, that's as simple because I think that um, prohibition in general doesn't work for anything. Uh, you know, look at in the United States, the war on drugs, which has been a failure since its inception and has only criminalized uh, a certain percentage of the population and, and not fixed anything. It hasn't made anything better. So I think that um, education and transparency uh, and a, a, a broader shift in social norms, it would have a much more uh, lasting long-term effect and short-term effect. Um, and it would be doing things the right way. I, I think that like a legal prohibition would not get the result that you want. Um, it, you certainly would create a black market, a large black market for animal products. Um, you know, I, I, on the surface, I'd like to say, yeah, make it illegal, I guess. But I think that's kind of like a knee-jerk reaction and, and most likely counterproductive. I, I think that we need, um, we need a, a, a large uh, paradigm shift in society. We need people to talk about factory farming and animal exploitation, and we need good faith arguments. You know, how many times have you been hit with people debating you about how, you know, it's impossible to change anything, so why bother? Or you know, by eating a vegan diet, you're contributing to um, deaths of small animals when they harvest grains, ignoring the fact that the majority of these grains harvested for consumption go to feeding livestock that are then killed to feed humans. You know, I think that if we have like a more open, transparent dialogue about this kind of stuff um, and less bad actors in the space, then we can probably make a lot more progress than by passing a law that outlaws it. I agree. I agree. And, you know, this will not happen tomorrow <laughs> for the listeners who, no. who are panicking. Uh, if any politician uh, even approaches that uh, idea, yeah. it will be political suicide. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. No, no chance. chance. Even in a progressive, you know, place like California or something like that, you know, yeah. nope. um, that's not talking about the lobby, you know, the meat and uh, milk, dairy and, uh, meat uh, lobby yeah and anyway so finally what is the one thing you want listeners to know about veganism after this whole conversation where we touch so, so many aspects um if there was one thing you want listeners to to retain after after this conversation what would it be i think it would be that veganism is not an extreme and unattainable lifestyle at all, not even close. If you live in, you know, rural Philippines, it's going to be a little harder. But for the majority of the people probably listening or, or watching, you probably live near a supermarket, you probably have restaurants in your area that, that have a vegan dish or two, you know, cooking is fun, you can learn how to do it. 
it's pretty easy. So I would just say that um, there's a lot of buildup. There's a lot of hype about how veganism is some sort of extreme thing that, you know, only the, the most hardcore animal rights activists can do. It's not, it's just a normal thing. You know, people ask me all the time about like, how do I do it? And like, I don't know. I just, I, I go to the store and I buy groceries and then I go home and I cook them and then I go out and eat at a restaurant. It's, I live the exact same lifestyle that everyone else that I know lives. I just do it without animal products. And I think that that's probably the strongest case that you could make for adopting a vegan lifestyle is that, you know, if you can live a lifestyle that is good and fulfilling and I mean, convenient and normal, uh, and you can do that without unnecessarily contributing to additional animal exploitation and suffering, then why wouldn't you do it? You know, it literally is a pick one scenario and it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be more expensive or more cumbersome. It doesn't have to be more extreme. This is why I always encourage new vegans to not worry about, you know, really, really extreme stuff like raw veganism, or I'm only eating organic foods or whatever, just like cut animal products out of your diet, eat some normal stuff. Like you'll be okay. It's not extreme. It's just normal. So that's kind of the main point I'd like to get across is, is that, you know, at first it might seem like a pretty big shift because if you, especially if you eat a typical American diet, like I did. And like so many other people did and do, um, you're eating meat every meal, you're eating dairy products multiple times a day, eggs. That's like the main dish for breakfast. Hmm. Um, it, it's going to be a big shift at first. You'll need to get a little bit used to it, but very quickly you'll realize like, this is just a totally normal lifestyle. Like I don't do anything different than anyone else that I know does other than the fact that the foods that I eat are plant derived instead of animal derived. That's it. Um, and then I just, you know, make decisions that don't contribute to animal suffering whenever possible. We have all of our animals that we have are adopted from the shelter. All of our clothes are made out of, you know, renewable textiles for the most part. I, I try and make sure that I buy clothes that are ethically produced um, in terms of human labor as well. I mean, it, it extends beyond. It's just trying to do better and be compassionate and, and make good decisions that um, affect you and the people around you and the world around you positively. So I apologize for the very long-winded answer to a kind of a concise question, but I think that's it. It's just like veganism is not that big of a deal. Just do it and you'll see over time. Like it's, it's totally normal. That's what every podcast host wants, you know, just one question <laughs> and the guest just speaks the rest of the time. Yeah. But yeah I, I mean, just doing this podcast, people can see that, uh, you know, vegans are ordinary people, you know, that there's nothing, um, extreme you know i'm just talking personally i'm a creature of comfort i'm so glad that i became vegan when it was so easy i don't know what i would have done uh in the 90s um but yeah uh it's it's kind of easy uh when you live in north america when you have um the choice that we have now right now uh in this era and with all the resources uh, out there so don't look for um, um vegan models and uh, uh you know examples uh on on youtube uh among the raw vegans and the loudest vo voices in the community most vegans are just ordinary people and they're just living ordinary lives uh nothing extraordinary uh about us so Justin, did you want to add something? Yeah, I want to add one really brief thing. I'm going to, I'm going to give a plug for a service that I use all the time. And mm -hmm. the only reason why is because this kind of 
brings it right back to what we were talking about. Um, Happy Cow is a website. They have an app as well, happycow.com, I believe. Mm -hmm. and an app's just called Happy Cow. And it's an invaluable resource if you don't know where to start or places that you can find mm -hmm. vegan food. Um, I travel a lot. I travel internationally when I get a chance as well. That's one of the hobbies of my wife and I. And I've traveled, you know, to 20 something countries um, all during the time that I've been vegan. And, you know, I've traveled through places that are famously not vegan, like South Korea or Japan, Cambodia, you know, parts of Mexico, France. And <clears throat> invariably, I can just pull up the Happy Cow app and boom, there's like a restaurant within walking distance that has at least one really good vegan option. So especially for new vegans, if you're just like, what do I do? Where do I start? Like, just look on Happy Cow and you might be surprised. You're going to find some places around you that you didn't even know were vegan. So that's not so much a final thought as just like a little pro tip, but I use it more times than you would believe. I'm on Happy Cow all the time. Uh, I will check it out 100%. I mean, thank you for this blog. I will add a link uh, in the description. This is an essential tool I did not know about in my eight years. Well, let's put it this way. I think you're, you're from uh, you're from Quebec, right? Yes. So I, I did a trip to Montreal and my goal was I wanted to eat vegan poutine every day of the trip that I was there. <laughs> so my resource was Happy Cow. I went to Happy Cow and I looked for every restaurant in there that served poutine and I, I successfully did it. I gained about five pounds <laughs> on the trip and uh, but I did it. I pulled it off. I was going to say this is this was not a healthy challenge. <laughs> no not at all <laughs> but that's amazing i mean uh yeah I, I will check it out and i will go uh and try it uh uh in in downtown montreal and i will be thinking about you and your poutine challenge so okay. again for the second time now thank you justin for uh having answered my questions for having shared your experience and the insights you you gain uh throughout uh, your vegan journey yeah, it's my pleasure and thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun both times. Thank you everyone for listening. If you liked this episode, please share it with family and friends. Offer them a window into the life of a vegan. I think you will really love next week's episode. We are traveling to Vietnam of all countries to meet Catherine, who is the founder and director of Vietnam Animal Ed and Rescue, the only animal sanctuary of the country. And we are going to talk about everything from the dog and cat meat trade to the cultural clash regarding animal welfare. It's a passionate conversation. I simply don't want you to miss it. So subscribe now to the podcast. Thank you again for listening. Take care and see you next week.